Welcome to the E Street Cafe podcast, the cool, friendly place for great music chat. Hey, everybody! This is the E Street Cafe podcast. My name is Jeff, and today I'm joined by my good friend Dan French. Dan, how you doing? Hi, Jeff. Well, it's certainly chilly and wintry outside, but uh, hey, it's always warm and cozy in the cafe, which is the main thing. Yeah, it's always warm and fuzzy in the cafe, and it's nice and quiet now, isn't it? I don't know what you've seen today, but it's gone seamlessly well. The new members of staff have settled in really, really well. Hazy Davy is like chief barrister, it seems, at the moment. And uh, Sorry, barista. 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 Um, so they're doing very well, and um, we'll see how the order for our guest goes today. When uh, Rosalita or whoever it is that steps up to take the order, let's see how things are. So um, I think without further ado, I'm going to introduce today's guest, and we're very proud to have on board Gene Mickle. Uh, Gene grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, right outside Philadelphia, and first saw Bruce Springsteen in concert in 1978, one of the lucky ones. And she was still at high school and has been hooked ever since. After college, she moved to the Jersey Shore, where she's lived for more than 30 years. Jean and Stan Goldstein are lifelong New Jersey residents who have witnessed much of Jersey Shore's rock and roll history over the past 35 plus years. She and Stan have been given walking tours of Springsteen sites to thousands of fans since 1999, including busloads of European fans. Together with Stan, Jean co-authored the book Rock and Roll Tour of the New Jersey Shore. She's also a member of the board of directors of Blighter Day Foundation, which we've recently talked about in our last episode. And she's a board member of the Asbury Angels Project. Now, in amongst all that, she does have a day job, and she's a reporter for the Asbury Park Press. Jean, welcome. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Yeah, we're good. We're good, and um, it feels like we've been. It feels like we've been here before somehow, doesn't it? <laughs> it does indeed. It's like deja vu. Yeah, it's really like deja vu. And I think, full disclosure, we should say that we did try and record something, uh, I think late November, we said, uh, but we had technical difficulties, which we've now resolved. Um, Rosalita got the cell, she got the cellar tape out. Um, Hazy Davy got the string out. We've chucked the cat out the room, and all of a sudden, we've got a brilliant <laughs> signal. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, it was just, the cat all along, as we said. It was the cat. Let's bring the cat. It was the cat. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we like to do now, which you're probably not aware of, but we've got a new member of staff, Go-Kart Mozart, and he reads out the weather chart for our guest. So we know what the weather's doing here because Dan's just told us. But um, you're in Asbury Park, New Jersey. You're on the Jersey Shore, of course. Yes, indeed. And the weather is terrible today, guys. It's well, Go-Kart Mozart, well, he's telling me now that it's gusty winds, heavy rain, and it's got a high of 53 degrees Fahrenheit today. You got it. That, it's that, warm, but very bad winds, maybe 65 miles an hour tonight. Batten down the hatches, as they say. Yeah, that's By what he's saying board. to us. So it's all good. And um, you, you're lucky. You've got Rosalita today. She's here to take your Ooh. order. Would you, would you like something to eat and drink? Uh, let's start with your drink first. Well, like. absolutely. I'm going to have a – I think I'll have a Corona Light. And uh, if she's ready for my food order, I actually want to ha- actually have a, want to have a Wonder Burger with cheese. A uh, medium burger, well, medium well, Wonder Burger. A Wonder Burger? What's a Wonder Burger? From the Wonder Bar, the best hamburger oh. on the Jersey Shore. Wow. I've never had a Wonder Burger, but I feel like I should have one now. You're missing out. You're missing out, Jeff. I'm sure I am. I sure <laughs> am. But I, okay, heard, I heard that the cafe had some Wonder Burger, so 
Well, um, she's, yep, it's thumbs up from Rosie again. She's on it. Oh, um, Berger will be with you in about um, 20, 20 minutes or so, I think. So uh, looking out for that. Brilliant. So welcome to the E Street Cafe podcast. Welcome to all our listeners, of course, as well. Um, we're well into 2024 now. And I think one thing we'd like to start with with yourself, Jean, is that you've been living on the Jersey Shore, as we said, for about 30 years or more now. Um, and we know, we mentioned, we made reference very briefly there to your first Bruce experience in 1978. We want to know more. Tell us about that 1978 experience. <laughs> um, I was in high school and uh, my friend Chris was a big Bruce fan and convinced me to go to a show with her. I believe it was May 26, 1978 at the old Philadelphia Spectrum, a wonderful place to see a show. And um, I can't say I was completely converted uh, that night. I, I, I enjoyed the show. I, I um, went out and, you know, caught up on my Bruce albums. I got the greetings from Asbury Park album, which I didn't have at that time. Listened to a lot of, uh, listened to a lot of it. And we went again on August 19th, 1978. And mm -hmm. that converted me fully. Um, I think I've uh, told you guys it was a week after my mother had, had died. Um, she was mm -hmm. very ill when I was a child with kidney disease. I almost didn't go to the show. Um, my family convinced me to go and my friend Chris and I sat in the audience that night and uh, I was saved by rock and roll. And that's, and that's really true. Wow. Um, the first night I thought things were going to be okay. Um, what was unique about that show too, as I, I referred to it before, is that Gary Busey, who was starring yeah. in the Buddy Holly story at the time, joined Bruce mm -hmm. that night. <laughs> and I always remember that, that it kicked off with good rocking tonight. That was my, yeah. Touch. Yeah. Good rocking, and it was there was good rocking that night. So it, it's, uh, it seems like a sliding doors moment, Gene, in a way, because effectively you said you you weren't smitten by the the, the show in in May, and that probably was yeah. the second or third show of the tour. But had you not gone to that second show, would you be doing what you're doing today? You know, I don't know, and would I have met most of the so many of the people that are so important in my life? I, you know, it's kind of interesting to think about it. Um, probably because I did, I did enjoy the show. I just can't say it was as life changing as the second one. And maybe also because it was at the very beginning of the tour as well. I didn't have the album yet. It hadn't come out. I did get the album yeah. when it came out the next month. Yeah. And, um, and fell in love with the album. So that by the time the second show came around, I was really looking forward to, you know, hearing those songs after having listened to them on my cassette tape player, <laughs> portable cassette tape player. <laughs> Non-stop. Yeah, I didn't have but anything in my car. There was no tape player in the car. That was a more advanced uh, thing yeah. at the time. So I had a portable and then a portable eight track player, which is even crazier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On which so I collected every bootleg, you know. So. Tell us a little bit more about that 78 shows, specifically the, the Philly second show, because um, they are legendary. And we've had so many guests on here who, were, who went to the 78 shows or were part of it in some way, shape or form. But tell us some more about, about those 78 shows and what you specifically remember about the music and the show and the energy. I just remember how loose Bruce was, particularly in August, and mm. how he was constantly leaving the stage into the audience, up into the... Uh, I remember. I don't remember what song it was, but... At one point, he vanished from the stage. We, we couldn't tell where he was. And then the spotlight found him. He was up in the second level wow. of the spectrum by the Tasty Cake <laughs> sign, which was a which was a pretty famous, <laughs> a pretty famous local, um, you know, confectionery uh, place, Tasty Cake. And I heard him go, Tasty Cake. And then the spotlight got on him. And he, he was all the way 
<laughs> you know, and I had seen a few concerts by them, but I had never seen anyone jumping on top of the speaker stacks, jumping off on top of the piano. Um, and that just blew me away. I mean, we were, you were kind of just drawn to it magically. And I guess the other things that really, um, affected me was that version of Backstreets with Sad Eyes, of course. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Which yeah. was, uh, yeah. And so, as I said, after after that, I started collecting bootlegs. So by that fall, you know, after Winterland and all those other, uh, I had the Agora, I had Winterland, I had the Roxy, and I would play those constantly just to try and listen to the to that over and over again and relive those moments. In my car at the moment, Gene, um, I have a, I think it's 20 CD box set, and it's all the FM broadcasts from 1978. Oh, jeez. Wow. It, awesome. uh, I think you pick it off. Amazon for ridiculously cheap amount. I think you know thirty dollars or twenty pounds or whatever it was. And, um, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It stays in my car. It absolutely stays in my car because That's I amazing. remember my, my first ever bootleg was Passaic, um September seventeenth, and then when, then I recorded that off the radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was broadcast live on the radio. Remember, I used to do that. I went up against the radio with my little um, tape recorder and I recorded that because it was broadcast live. Uh, that and uh, wish that I had been there. I mean, we were uh, we were trying to convince, you know, we were trying. It, it was a school night. We weren't allowed to go. <laughs> but my friend, I, I, we definitely wanted to go to those shows. And uh, I'm yeah. very jealous of people that were there that night because that's a much smaller venue. Small. I think you, you can certainly count your blessings, can't you? Because I think me and Dan saw them for the first time on the River Tour uh, back in 81 in Europe. And we count our things, you know, because we talk to people who said, oh, we first saw them in 84 or 85 or you know, yeah, 18, or later. So, yeah, even later. So, you know, we, we count our blessings. We saw him so early. But for you to see him, what people recognize, I think, as probably his loosest, most dynamic live tour that he did. And the mm. fact that it was centered purely on the U.S., you know, he didn't come to Europe in 78. Or no. Was he Maradon? But I, I think, yeah, wow, how lucky you are that you were there. Amazing. I feel very lucky about it. And I think also the thing was, is that, and it's a cliche, but I think it's true. I mean, Bruce really had to prove it all night then. I mean, he, he had mm. uh, had the whole lawsuit issue with his former manager. He hadn't been able to record for a while and really was wait, making his money as a, as a live performer. And uh, I yeah. think every night they went out there, they really had to, to do that. And it carried over into the river tour as well, which was also brilliant. I mean, uh, yeah. Those two tours are, you know, I mean, obviously, I didn't, I, I didn't have the money, so I didn't go to nearly as many shows as I would have liked to in those two tours. But, um, mm, sure. but I feel very privileged to have seen them. You know? Wow! Yeah. Roll down the window and let the wind blow back your hair. You're listening to the E Street Cafe podcast. Brilliant. And um, your Corona light is here, so whilst. Oh, um, I'm finding the uh, the coaster for that to go on. I'll hand you over to Dan, who I think he wants to explore about uh, the Jersey Shore a little bit with you. Sure. Yes, Eugene, uh, some uh, of our listeners will probably already know of you because of the rock and roll tour of the Jersey Shore. But um, for those who, who aren't familiar with that, um, the tour and the book that um, uh, you've been doing with, uh, with Stan, Dan Goldstein, um, do tell us about those. Well, that uh, thanks, Dan. That started in 1999. Believe it or not, after uh, Stan and I had gone to uh, the UK to see Bruce on the reunion tour, we went to Birmingham and then two sh- two of the shows in London at Earl's Court. And uh, while we were in London, we went on a, a Beatles tour of uh, sites. And um, 
the guy was very dynamic. He was head of the Beatles fan club at the time. He was telling us about meeting McCartney and, you know, just, and we thought, wow, you know, there's plates in the Jersey. Sure, we could do that. We could do this. We went back and started doing the research on it. And our first attempt at a tour was during the uh, 15 nights at the Meadowlands on an off day in that stand that summer. And we advertised on the old Lucky Town Digest, which was one of the first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bruce Ford's online, right? And said free tour, walking tour of Asbury Park, thinking that no one was going to show up, and we got 60 people. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of started it. And uh, then we were, we connected that same year with uh, Phil and Stephen Jump, and they brought uh, four busloads of people over to see the Philadelphia shows um, <laughs> in September that year, which were tremendous. And uh, on one of the off days, we had uh, four busloads of people in Asbury Park which was a much different place back then. Remember, the Stone Pony was not open, had been closed for a year at that point. We had no idea if it was going to open. And there was no one around. Um, but here we have a bunch of Europeans walking down the street. <laughs> uh, it was quite the sight, um, but it was great. And so then the next year when the, when he brought another group over for the shows at the at Madison Square Garden, um, we did, uh, once again, did bus tours, and that was the time, I think I told you, the Stone Pony had just reopened. And we had a police officer start, pull over and ask us if we were okay, because we had this huge group of people. <laughs> and there was no one in Asbury Park at that time, and he thought, why are these people here? And I said, well, they've come to see the Bruce Springsteen sites, and the guy goes, really, Crazy you came from Europe to see the Springsteen sites? <laughs> so he kind of adopted us and followed us around the city, and then came to the Stone Pony that night when we went out, and took photos with everyone. So it was quite the, <laughs> so we've been doing it ever since. I mean, 25 years this year, which is crazy, crazy to me. That, that's amazing. So how did it evolve from um, initially the tours into the, the book, which I believe is now uh, into several editions later? Yeah. Um, people kept saying, do you have a book? Do you have a book? You should write this down. So we did in 2002. And we've done or we finished edition number four. It was almost 11 years ago now. So the question is whether or not we're going to do another one. I I'm trying to convince happens, Stan. Uh, is that the fourth edition? That's the fourth edition. Yeah. Yeah, I have I'm it. trying to convince right. Stanley. He does not want to do a third. I don't know. I, I'm, I, it, I'm getting I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I may convince him. just because there have been some changes. I mean, the old big man's West was torn down last week, as a matter of fact. Um, yes. So I heard. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, things have changed. Um, mm. But there is, you know, there's still a lot of stuff going on in Asbury Park. And uh, yeah, so we've sold a bit over 12,000 copies. We might be closer to 15,000 now. I just didn't want to. That's fantastic. So um, if people want, want to get copies or they want to book the tour, um, you've got you've got a website going still for that, I think. Yes, we do. It's the njrockmap, all one word, dot com, njrockmap.com. And they can contact us that way. They can buy the book, and they can also book a custom tour. And, Stan and well is semi-retired now. He's going to have more time to do tours. Oh, right. That's true. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, um, uh, And it seems to have evolved, I understand, from initially walking tours to uh, driving tours. Uh, is that right? Yes. Uh, now we do freehold as well if we do the four-hour tour show people where Bruce came from, which I think is really important. And uh, a lot of people saw the Broadway show and heard Bruce talk about his home at 39 and a half Institute street, uh, where he saw Elvis Presley on the Ed Sullivan show. And also his first home on Randolph street, which is no longer there, but we can show the whole neighborhood, which people appreciate, I think. And uh, so that's, and hopefully someday there will actually be a Springsteen museum out there. They were supposed to open this year. <laughs> This year, it's not going to happen. I can tell you that. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, 
plenty to see, plenty to see on the shore, which is it's fantastic. Exactly, so, and you know, then you can hang out and have a bite to eat or or, uh, or something. Yeah, what what a contrast to when you started, when, as you say, there was you know so little happening, <laughs> so little going on, and uh, now it seems like the area is thriving. So that's fantastic. It is. It is yeah. indeed. So, so moving on to your the, one of the other hats that you wear um, <laughs> as the director of the Light of Day Foundation, and I think you were, am I right, its first president as well? I was. I was. Uh, how, did, how, how many years did you did you do that for? I think I was about four, four and a half, just because okay. we didn't have an election, <laughs> which we should have. <laughs> then I was the treasurer for a while. Now I'm a I'm the past president. So what I've been doing over the last couple of weeks is arrange the hotels for all our bands that are coming in for our winter fest, which is always fun. Yes. Uh, Cause I mean, that really is a, a, a global event nowadays, isn't it? It um, obviously started it in the States and now you, you cover Australia, Europe, Canada, and you're not long back from uh, the European leg. And, uh, and Jeff was lucky enough to, to catch the tour um, here, here in the UK. Weren't you Jeff? Yeah, we, um, well, I, I went down to Leicester, um, Thanks a little bit to the, the good help of Bobby Chermside and Gordon Brown from Williams Honor. They, they kind of made sure I was looked after. Not that I need much looking after, but uh, what we did is we, we sought permission through Gordon to talk to the, all the artists. And I just said to him, look, if we can talk to one or two artists backstage, I'd be fantastic. And guess what? We interviewed everybody. <laughs> and um, that was our last episode that we put out. Let's put one, I think, we put out. Um, so that was brilliant. But one thing that struck me is um, I didn't realize how long these guys, like I was talking to Rob Dye, who I think now is the treasurer, isn't he, for the light of day? Secretary. Uh, Secretary. Secretary, sorry. Yeah. And, um, you know, Rob's been involved a long time. James has been, James Maddox has been a long, uh, been doing this. Uh, he, could, he couldn't remember. Tom Brooksby has been doing it for, he reckons, near on 10 years. Um, and, of course, Joe. God knows how he finds time to promote his new album because he seems to be really entrenched like you with Light yes. Today. But um, yes. I, I, love, I love the format. And for those who don't know, you know, tell us a little bit about how the in the rounds scenario works when, when they play because it, it, it works very well, I think. Yeah. What happens is um, for the European tour and also for some of the shows that we have in uh, Asbury, actually our closing night show on the Sunday night, the 21st, is um, a songwriters in the round. So basically, songwriters play three or four rounds of their own songs. Um, and then this this time around, we were doing covers as well. So everybody was doing um, a cover of you know that they chose. I know James was doing Help, and uh, Williams Honor was doing a great version of Trapped, which you I'm sure you mm -hmm. you saw, which was terrific. And um, Joe often does you know we'll do Light a Day and, and one guitar, which of course is Willie Niles' song. So that's what we do, and uh, it depends on, you know, how much time we have in terms of uh, how many rounds they do, and then at the end, everybody gets together and plays plays together, which is really tremendous. And what I, I like, I've been doing that, uh, the European leg of the tour, for 11 years now. This was my 11th year. Um, I just like watching them, them mesh together. Um, it's interesting how quickly this time around, James and... Uh, and Gordon and uh, Reagan from Williams Honor had known each other and actually played together a little bit in Asbury Park. And uh, they kind of, the first night, we were in uh, Oskarsham, Sweden, and they were, it was as though they had been playing together for weeks, weeks and weeks, and they all just kind of meshed as a band, which is, it's fun to see that. And um, it's kind of a mutual appreciation and, and uh, just, just great fun. So, and of well, course, you know, the, yeah, the bottom line is we're raising money to hopefully defeat Parkinson's ALS and PSP in our lifetime. We would like not to be doing this anymore at some point. Um, 
but we have not yet found a cure, so we're still out there raising money. $7 million, Joe was telling us. No, yeah, just about maybe. $7 million, yes, correct. Yeah, correct. Unbelievable. Very impressive. Yeah. And, uh, uh, as you say, even though the, you know, the lineup changes a little bit from year to year, you still have this kind of what seems like this sort of lovely sense of like a family, and I'm sure that's probably how it, how it seems to you. <laughs> Um, just re- reconnecting uh, every year. What a lovely, lovely tr- tradition to continue. It really so, is. Uh, like- yeah. Um, and then, uh, again, as, as we've been saying, you know, you, there, there's so much that you're involved in. And uh, one of the other things is that um, uh, in Asbury Park, particularly, uh, visitors will, will notice if they look around on the boardwalk, there are some special memorial benches. Um, and these are for the Asbury Angels, uh, so tell us, what's the story about these these angels and, and the benches? The Asbury Angels was uh, started, I guess we started this in uh, 2012, and it's basically to memorialize people from the music scene who have passed on. And um, not only, you know, not only singers, songwriters, but also producers, journalists, which is very near and dear to my heart, of course. Um, uh, there's We actually have Carrie Layton, who was a huge music fan, booster of the scene. And also production people, you know, people, sound people, lighting technicians and stuff who, who are, who've been involved in the scene. And we started that in 2012, and we have our annual induction is always on the Friday night at the Stone Pony during light of day. This, this year it will be uh, January 19th. And we induct usually three to four people. And uh, this year we will be inducting Sammy Boyd and Ray DeRouge and... Um, uh, the other the other thing is we do the, something called a guardian angel, who is someone who may not have been from the area but uh, was influential on the scene. And I do believe this year will be somebody that I think is near and dear to your heart, which will be Holly Cara Price. And That's be, fantastic, Jane. Because, be um, yes, uh, yeah. I just recently happened to have been in touch with yeah. Eileen, who uh, obviously you work with closely on this and uh, yeah. also involved. And um, it was another friend of ours who was actually looking into the possibility of uh, – uh, maybe a group of uh, Holly's friends, you know, um, su- supporting the idea of a, a memorial bench. And then uh, Eileen just sort of seemed to sort of jump on the idea and say, hey, we can make her uh, a guardian, as you, as you just said. Exactly. So if, if that's yeah. going to happen, that, that's absolutely wonderful news. And um, yeah. we'll look forward yeah, to it. Yeah, I don't think we've I don't think we've told anybody yet, but you guys are first <laughs> with the news. And it will also be our friend Joe Harvard, who is very in- instrumental in the saint See, and he actually came down from Boston, where he actually was very uh, involved in, the, in the, the avant-garde punk scene up there, and then came down to Asbury and kind of brought all his art and uh, music down here, too. So he will be another one of our angels. But, yeah, we just I was just talking to Eileen last week about Holly, and I think uh, it's appropriate. Yeah, I think it's appropriate. And I think she didn't, she'll didn't. she enjoy having a bench down in Asbury Park. You know, it's like, definitely, um, definitely. Her uh, second home. <laughs> yes, one of my, my earliest uh, photos of Holly, actually, is of her with another friend of mine and on the first time that we went there in 1982 together and uh, and she was kind of like our unofficial tour guide much like what you and Stan do um back back then and she's sitting on a, on a bench on the on the boardwalk so it's well, there you go I might need that photo Dan might you use that <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you yeah 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 no I'd love seriously I would love to use that when we uh when we induct her so that will happen now we we fell behind because of COVID and we haven't done an actual bench ceremony plaque ceremony in a while so the plan is to do that this spring, either uh, May or June, and install three three years worth of plaques because 
we didn't have anything during COVID and we're behind. So and you sh- should obviously do it in, in nicer weather as well. You know, not not January. Yeah, yeah. We usually like to try and either do it in June or September. It's too crowded in July to, to really get anything done. But uh, but yeah, there's a lot of people waiting to get on there. You know, uh, George Thies, uh, Obi, Jijic, Obi, so, yeah, yeah, Obi was inducted. Yeah. So yes, so um, hopefully we'll get that we'll get that done. And uh, we right now we have about fifty pla- you know, fifty angels on the boardwalk. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think it will be well over 60 by the time we install all these. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I saw the ones for Clarence and Danny uh, must have been about uh, four or five years ago. So, um, yeah, impressive to know that the um, it's just, you know, going from strength to strength and uh, a great idea. I, yeah, I think it's important. I mean, it's also yeah. important to the people from the West Side who are never really recognized to a certain extent. And uh, We've made an effort every year to induct at least one person from the West Side, so I think that's important to their families. And um, so we'll be doing that again. And yeah, it's it's very it's been very heartwarming to be involved in that. Actually, wonderful idea. The E Street Cafe podcast: friendly chats, great stories, interesting guests. Hit the follow button and remember, this is not a dark ride. So, Jeff, I think you, you had some other stuff to uh, ask Gene about. Yeah, well, before I do, um, surprise for you, Dan, um, we've actually got two Wonder Burgers. So there's one for you <laughs> and one for Gene. I, I, I've, had, I've had my dinner already, but uh, <laughs> later picked up on the fact that you said off her that you'd not had your dinner yet. So we have a Wonder Burger for each of you. She's so, the best. Uh, do, do talk. Oh, isn't she great? She's amazing. She so, uh, she do enjoy and uh, any complaints afterwards. Will do. <laughs> No, no complaints about the Wonder Burger. Come on. Yeah. Now, listen. There's so much going on uh, on the Jersey Shore, and one thing that starts to kick in now uh, is the 50th anniversary. Now, last year, of course, oh, we had yes. um, the greetings symposium, and then back mm-hmm. in November, we had the um, the Wild and the Innocent symposium. And yes. in 18 months' time, we'll have the Born to Run symposium. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, That's the next big one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which will be massive, I'm sure. But um, yes. you, were, you were at both of the symposiums in January yes. and November, weren't you? Tell us a little bit yes. more about them and what they meant to you and uh, what went on. It was uh, really great. I mean, uh, both of them were so well done. I mean, the, it's funny, the, the uh, greetings one was put together so quickly. And I was talking to Bob Santelli, who's uh, the founding executive director of the archives, and he was saying they didn't think anyone would even come. They were <laughs> they didn't, re- and the, and it sold out. I said, "Why? Do, why would you think that, Bob? Come on, come on!" And people had such a good time. I think there, dissect, you know, listening to um, the dissection of the album, um, listening to Mike Appel tell his stories about about that time. Um, that the Wild and the Innocent sold out very, very quickly. Yeah. And of course, at the Wild and the Innocent one, we did have Bruce come, which was really tremendous. He was on two of the panels, mm. one about writing the songs, and one where he. Uh, you know, he joined his old colleagues on the panel, including David Sanchez and Vinny Lopez and Gary Talent, to talk yeah. about the album and touring with the album. And um, it was just great for me, you know, and I'm sure you guys would, would love it, too. It has it was professionally recorded by our pal George McMurrow, and um, hopefully will be released at some point so that people can actually see it. I mean, it's important for scholars to have that, I think, as well. Cool. And... Um, you know, because I, I like to dwell in this minutia and stuff, it was fascinating to me just to hear about how it was recorded, where it was recorded, what people were thinking about the time. Um, you know, it was funny because 
Mike Appel's brother, who was at the time acting as tour manager, talked about talked a little bit about, you know, going on tour and people not really knowing what to make of the band outside of, you know, the Philadelphia market and New York market where they were somewhat well known, um, you know, because they were playing these very long operatic songs, you know, that would last 20 minutes in some cases. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, Steve, Stephen Appel, wasn't it? Steve Appel. Yeah, Stephen Appel, that's Michael, yeah, yeah. Michael's brother. Yeah. And so that was very interesting. And also to listen to Bruce talking about the members of his band and how much he appreciated uh, David's talent and Vinny's drumming, which he, he said he thought was perfect for the album. I think that was really important that Vinny, to Vinny, to hear that. Um, and yeah. he talked quite uh, quite in depth about David and how David was, you know, the most talented musician he thought that he had worked with. And um, how he basically was able to give David a lot of leeway on the second album to really follow his jazz instincts and, and really help shape the sound of that album. So I thought that was tremendous. And then I'm sure so you guys have seen the performance. There was a really great performance afterwards where uh, David does an absolutely amazing uh, introduction to New York City Serenade. And, um, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, which was brilliant. And I talked to him about it the next day. I happened to see him. He was at Tom Cunningham's uh, Bruce, you know, uh, Springsteen on Sunday show. And he said that he just, that came out of his mind. He just was in the moment and he, he, basically just made that up as he went along, which is really tells you wow. just tells you a lot about David and how talented he is and such a, such a sweet, uh, genuine person. And yes, we did yeah. drag him, Vinny and, and Gary by 1105 East street again, David's I'm reading, uh, I'm reading a publication at the moment, which is a, a massive magazine. It, it's about an inch thick. You might have seen it, Dan. It's, um, it's just called Springsteen. I think it's a Mojo publication and it dissects each album from, you know, greetings right through to, um, the latest one. And one thing that fascinates me, because you've mentioned it, Gene, I, I just feel like I want to explore this a little bit with you is the formation of the songs and when they come into the artist's head and how they evolve into a finished piece. And, only today I was reading about, it was the anniversary of Bruce's first radio appearance. Bear in mind, this is probably about, as we're recording this in, what, 9th of January. Um, he performed Wild Billy Circus Story, um, literally 10 months before he released it. And I love hearing early versions of songs. I and mean, going back to your 78 tour, um, when you were hearing a lot of the river stuff, I think there was four or five river songs that uh, were played then. And, I had a question for we were we were on a um, a Zoom meeting with Gary Talent and Nikki Jermaine the other week, weren't we, Dan? And my question was too long winded, but I wanted to ask Gary: At what point did Bruce bring the Born to Run song to the band? Because, as I understand it, the vision of Born to Run or the lyric came into his head late '73. We know he performed it May the 9th, I think it was nineteen seventy four at Harvard. So there was this five-month period where the song was being written and evolving. But I want to know, at what point did Gary or any of the other members, because uh, Vinny would have probably been part of that. I know Ernest Boom Carter came on a bit after Vinny. But yeah. what, do you know anything about that? Do you know anything about how that song got brought to the band? No, I don't know. I mean, I know, obviously, the house where that whole album was written, and I know that... Um, Bruce was having different band members and John Landau, who of course was not managing him at that point yet, come to the house and listen to to what he was doing. Because Vinny, uh, um, by the time Vinny was not in the band anymore, he said, he said Bruce still had him over there. 
yeah. and played him a bunch of songs from Born to Run. I know Max was there um, right, you know, when after he had joined the band and that he came down from, you know, northern New Jersey and stayed overnight and listened to some of the songs Bruce was playing. So I'm yeah. not sure as as you know, as we know the Born to Run song was done before the rest of the album and, and had been released as a single long before the, the rest of the album was done. Um and indeed, yeah, Jungleland was played very early as well on the '74 tour. Um, yeah. Jungleland was performed yeah. mid '74 as well, so that was yeah. Uh, and you know, it was, and they had wings for we, you know, wings for wheels, which was the original. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's kind of like it just evolved, and that's it's funny because Bruce was kind of was talking a little bit about that, um, the Wild and the Innocent forum about how songs develop and kind of take on a mind of their own once the band gets gets a hold of them. You know, they can change a little bit from his vision. Because the band brings their own yeah. vision to it, and that's what he said happened in particular with David. But he also said with Vinny, because Vinny had a very unique style of drumming, and he said that yeah. was very suited to that album and really kind of brought his vision to the fore. Mm. It was interesting because Gary Talent's main <laughs> remembrances of that time were vans breaking down and, <laughs> and <laughs> staying in really sleazy motels, and <laughs> saying that he's blocked a lot of it out of his mind. And the other bit of trivia about Born to Run and the writing the songs on Born to Run the album was the, the piano as well, because the, the, the story, right. and, and you might know something, this might be by or Sora, I don't know, And um, but the, the piano went missing, didn't it? Cause, uh, yes, the piano was put out, the piano was put out to the curb, I mean, years and years later, I suppose, yeah. without uh, Marilyn Rocky, the landlady, realizing that they had all signed underneath the lid of the piano. Oh, man. Um, and either it got thrown out or someone owns a very valuable piano right now and has no idea what's underneath the lid. Probably never looked under the, you know. But, yeah, well, it was apparently in the house for quite some time after Bruce left. So, we've got a we've got a show on on the, the TV here in the UK called Antiques Roadshow. We've got another one called Bargain. Oh, yeah, I just imagine wheeling this piano out and going, um, yeah, we've got this piano. It's got some kind of scrawly writing underneath, and I'm not, I'm not sure what's worth. It doesn't to be, seem to be worth anything. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we find out it's the piano. It's worth a million. <laughs> well, this is yeah. I had a very <laughs> similar, <laughs> very quick, very quick story. I, I do this music history column for the press, and I was doing something about Led Zeppelin playing at Convention Hall, and I knew my friend Pam Delissa had been at the show, and I asked her for her ticket stub to bring it to the Stone Pony one night so I could take a photo of it for my story. So she goes and finds this thing that has been in her closet since 1969 or whatever, brings it out, and turns it over and is all angry because there's scribble on the back, and she's decided one of her brothers has scribbled on the back of it, and then realizes that it was actually Jimmy Page and Robert Plant had signed it. It said to Pam. <laughs> and she probably never would have discovered this had I not asked for the tickets. So she, she puts it in a plastic bag. Gee, look at this. <laughs> I'm going to my brothers, and it was actually signed because she went backstage that night. They invited her backstage, so she was hanging out. Can you remember, the do you remember the full bill that night? Because I, I'm thinking Bobby Chermside met, it was at that gig in 69. He probably was definitely. working. He might have been working at it. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, he may yeah. have been yeah. working at that because I know he worked at the um, Rolling Stones show, which was a couple yes. three years earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I haven't talked to him about that one, but I bet you he was there. I don't know. Um, I want to say that uh, Joe Cocker opened for them because I believe okay. he then flew to Woodstock on the Sunday. That was a Saturday night. And he played at Woodstock on the Sunday. 
Wow. So I think it was the opening act. I don't know who else might have played, but yeah, it's a wild story. So anyway, now she has a signed <laughs> ticket stuff. I think it was $5 or something to get it. Yeah, wow. Amazing. amazing. Um, <laughs> just, just talking about another hat that you wear, Gene, is obviously the journalistic hat. And uh, we realize yeah. you're, you're very generous with your time here because it's your lunch shower. And um, I know you've got work to do, but um, I know you've covered many things um, as a journalist. And I know that one thing you did cover uh, last year was the Monmouth University announcement about the new archi- archive uh, mm. building plan. Um, that was attended by Bruce and he spoke at it, which uh, I think yes. is a nice surprise. But tell us about some of the other journalistic highlights that you've had over the years. <laughs> well, I've covered a lot of things. I mean, probably the biggest thing that people might know about was when uh, Superstorm Sandy struck in 2012 and uh, really yeah, devastated sure. a lot of the area. And luckily, Asbury mm. was pretty spared. We were so worried about the Stone Pony, but they barely had any water inside. Um, but the town that I cover, which is Tom's River, which is about 40 minutes south or 30 to 40 minutes south of here, had the worst damage in the state, had about 4,000 houses that were severely damaged and about 7,500 that had some some damage. So wow. um, it was quite... It was quite the shock, and uh, yeah, so I spent probably years afterwards covering recovery, which has, you know, come along pretty well, but it's changed the character of the shore. You've got a lot of the blue-collar people and middle-class people have moved out because they couldn't afford to rebuild, and it's been replaced by a lot of rich people coming in, so it has changed the whole character of the area, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, we certainly remember seeing the images, uh, what, 13, yeah. 14 years ago? No, 12 years ago now, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it'll be uh, 12 years this year, October 29th, 12. I won't forget that date anytime. I remember uh, one of our previous guests, uh, Mark Ribbler, he came on the podcast and uh, he was Mark- talking about it. Uh, he wrote a song, didn't he, for uh, the yes, charity as well? He did, songs, he did. Which, he uh, did. Yeah, he said it has an unfortunate ending, the way that's, uh, the funds from that song got uh, diverted, if I remember, Dan. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Did you say that? Yeah. Apparently the funds um, didn't go where they should have done because oh. of a certain, certain governor that you will know of. Oh. But um, <laughs> ru- rumour has it anyway. Rumour has it. Well, <laughs> That's what Mark said on the podcast, so it's, it's, uh, it's public knowledge, apparently. Mick, yeah, Mark Ribbler also wrote the Asbury Angel song, which is really great. I'll have to send you That's that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, remember the guy? Yeah, you did. Yeah, we actually did a live recording at it, of it. Yeah. The chorus at the Stone Pony, where everybody could participate during light of day a few years ago. Yeah. So he's Brilliant. been a great friend to us. Good man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we sense that from all the guests that we have on the podcast. You know, we, we know there's a, a great community. You know, I, I'm from Liverpool, and I know you talk there about when you went on the Beatles tour. I, I know what that community feeling is like when you're part of a musical city or town. And, yeah. you know, me and Dan have both been lucky enough to go over to New Jersey and to the Stone Pony and Dan Ashbury Box. So we get the same feel. You know, it is a very identical feel, I think. And uh, one of our previous guests also said, hey, maybe we should twin Liverpool with Asbury Park. You know, there's so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool's a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah, bigger yeah. than Asbury. So, but yeah, so. we're getting ready. We're, next month yeah. will be the 50th anniversary of the Pony, so we're getting ready. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's going to be a lot of different events going on. We, yeah, I'm sure you know about the Southside Johnny, the two shows that he's doing there. But yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, there'll yeah, also yeah. be an event on February 8th, which is the actual anniversary. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I believe a panel discussion on the 10th, which Eileen is uh, is trying okay. to get. So, yeah. And uh, See Here Now is also getting bigger and bigger by, by, by the... Yeah, See Here Now. 
Very Fear well now will be back again in September. I believe it's the 14th and 15th this year. So. Right. Good, cool. Good. We'll see who we um, get. Yeah, I work at that one too. So that's another one. So while you're finishing off your um, your Wonder Burger, right. um, would you like, would you like to play the E Street Shuffle? Absolutely. Let's play the E Street Shuffle. So you, you know how this works. Short answers, yeah. yes, no, or uh, Stone Beetle, whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, We've got a new set of questions. Uh, oh, okay, so we're, okay. We're, we're going to go through the randomizer here. And um, the first question that comes up for you, pineapple on a pizza, yes or no? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm like a pure purist. No. <laughs> not the thing is, it probably tastes good. It's just the idea of it is. It's the idea. Yeah, it just doesn't seem right to me. You sounded very firm in your answer, but... We can see you, others can't, but there was almost venom in your face when you said that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very, it's a sore subject in, Jer- in Jersey pizza circles, it's like a California thing, you know? <laughs> okay, spin the randomizer again. Um, not, oh, you'll like this one. Okay. What's the best thing about your hometown? What's the best thing about my hometown? Um Asbury Park, which is not really my hometown, but it has been for I've lived very close to it for 40 years. I would say the sense of community there and which we discussed about the sense of community, um, not just about music, but about everything. Whenever someone's in trouble, people pitch in. People look out for each other. Yeah, they really do. They really do. There might be some backbiting and sniping, you know, occasionally, but as, as, yeah. as always happens in a small scene. But you'll get that. You'll get that anywhere. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Okay, next question. What's the last album you listened to? Oh. Believe it or not, the last album I listened to all the way through was um, Weather Veins by Jason Isbell. Um, ah, excellent. Yeah. 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 And before that was The Temptations Greatest Hits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. That was a little bit <laughs> eclectic. But I really like Jason quite a bit. I'm actually supposed to go see him in February, end of February, at Radio mm. City, of all places. So. Oh, wow. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And I really like that we album. We've yeah. just been talking about Jason Isbell with uh, Jesse Jackson from Set Lusting Bruce. He was uh, yes. oh, cool. he's discovered Jason later in his life, and he's now backtracking and doing what we did with Bruce many years ago. Uh, right. Final right. catalog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you, Dan? What's the, last, what's the last album you listened to, Dan? Last album I listened to? Oh, goodness. Um, well, this is this will be a, probably be a total surprise. I inherited a, a, a box of CDs from somewhere some years ago, and just happened to be looking through it because um, I'm I'm basically trying to read as many musical biographies as I can find. And the one I'm reading currently is about Kate Bush, who oh, has wow. a, okay. a, a fascinating life. I knew absolutely nothing about her life. Me um, neither. And wasn't that familiar with a lot of her material, so I dug through this little box and found there's a sort of uh, a compilation album that's kind of, it's called the whole story and it's mm. yeah, kind of like you know case spread bits or whatever and it's um yeah i really enjoyed that played that straight through great awesome. it's amazing how you can just go back and pick an album and, and just go i've not listened to that for 10 20 years or i know nothing about that person yeah. play it and then you know this is the, the beauty of music isn't it that you're always it really discovering is. or rediscovering music um, that and it brings you, and if you've listened to it before, it can bring you back to that exact same place where you definitely. were, right? I mean, I mean, I, what you mentioned that album because I I remember getting that when it, I don't remember when it came out, but um, now I want to listen to it. You know, 
<laughs> I really like I really like the whole story. Brilliant. Um, right, okay, last one. Um, <laughs> would you prefer to see the future or change the past? Ooh. I'm afraid I think I'm a little bit afraid of the future, so maybe change change the past or change my past at least. I'd see more Bruce shows. Like I'd go back to all the <laughs> I'd like to be at the main point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> my cousin yeah. was at one of those shows. Can you believe that? She's uh four years older than me and her boyfriend wow. was really into Bruce. I didn't know this till much later. And um she was at the main point and the funny thing is I don't think she really even knew what she was seeing, you know what I mean? <laughs> Was this the famous guy, February you know, 75 one? Because he was playing there yes. from late 73, wasn't he? So was, was yep, this the, yep. the one that the famous broadcast? 75. Went? 75. Yeah. I don't know if it's the bootlegged one. Uh, yeah, but it was that at that time frame, yeah. That she that was amazing there. intro, you know, for instant. You know, that... that oh, yeah, my God. Listen to that bootleg quite a bit. Yeah, that's another one of my favorites. And the version of Bob Dylan's "I Want You" as well. I just love that as well. That's yes. tremendous. Mountain of Love is on there. Mountain of Love. Violins. Yeah. 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 What a great show. But anyway, I don't think she really, really. Although she became a big Bruce fan, and I did. We we went to a few shows together um, yeah. over the years. But yeah, she was at. She told me that I was like, "Are you kidding?" <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, Gene! I feel like we could talk forever and ever, but I'm conscious that you've got to get back to work at some point this I afternoon. Do. Yeah, I, do, I know. Um, but it's it's been, and, and I'm glad we overcame our technical difficulties. You can go and untie the cat now from the chair, and uh, the <laughs> I can open lives. the door and let the cat in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The it's, it's been an absolute joy having you on board and um you know stay in touch with us as, as we continue to do absolutely. these as, as long as we keep going yeah it would be nice to chat again with you and uh, absolutely uh, yeah maybe we'll uh maybe i'll see you in san siro at some point huh? yeah Come on down somewhere in europe i don't have any tickets but i'm gonna go anyway <laughs> but uh thank you very much for joining us anyway and thanks to you dan as well thanks for your help thank you thank you guys Thank you for listening. And don't forget to hit that follow button. This podcast was brought to you by Geezers in Glasses Productions.